LaMelo Ball injures his thumb, but we don't have an update quite yet. Could that affect him going forward in the Charlotte Hornets? They lose badly against the Phoenix Suns. We talk about that today on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, and check us out on YouTube. We're getting close. Doug might have to wear a B suit. I have now been put into a position where I think I'm going to have to wear a B suit soon. If you get to 500 subscribers, that will happen for the both of us. We appreciate your support, although it is now coming at my detriment that I have to wear a ridiculous insect cons- uh, costume. You can check it out on, on YouTube, though. Follow us, Locked On Hornets. You can follow us on Twitter, Walker Mail, Doug Branson, LOH. Show handles on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Brutal Sunday. For Charlotte sports fans, if you're a Hornets fan, if you're a Panthers fan, didn't have any hope yesterday. Bad loss to the New Orleans Saints, only scoring 10 points again for the Carolina Panthers. And then if you were hoping Charlotte could pull off an upset at home against one of the better teams because they were undermanned in this one, that certainly didn't happen and you knew it wasn't going to happen really by the end of the second quarter. Maybe you thought they could get back in it in the first 36-27 and then the second quarter happened 37-20 is the score in that one. Charlotte got destroyed. Doug, defensively, it was bad. We'll get to that in just a moment. Do want to update everybody on the LaMelo Ball thumb injury in the way that there's not an update. At the time we're recording, the next day, Monday around 10 a.m. Eastern time, we have not received an update on LaMelo Ball. Um, 23 minutes last night, but this game was out of hand immediately. Nobody played more, really, than the 23 minutes he did. 25 for Ish, 26 for Miles Bridges. I thought LaMelo was actually pretty decent offensively. 5 of 12 from the field, played with what I saw was a sense of urgency, 17 points. There just weren't many assists for LaMelo, Doug, because uh, only nine three-point field goals made for Charlotte and only 39 period out of the 85 that they took. So just not not a ton of opportunity for LaMelo to get the assist, but offensively thought he played well. No thumb injury update as far as our star player is concerned. Yeah, sometimes no update is is a good update. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't we don't know anything definitive yet. Uh, it, it seemed like he was able to go. James Borrego after the game saying that LaMelo told him that he was okay. Um, and so, But obviously they will look at it to see if there's anything going on. Of course, last season he dealt with a wrist injury, so you hope that he's not dealing with anything right. uh, significant in that area again. That, that That's what would scare you. If you had another wrist injury, that's the thing that would make you raise your eyebrow. Oh no, we hope this is not going to be anything long term. And, uh, and that would be the most concerning thing. But so far... So good. I don't expect anything crazy serious to come out of this where he's going to miss a significant amount of time. So hopefully he's good to go and they'll have to get right back on the horse. Second night of a back-to-back, they'll play the Washington Wizards. Pretty important game, too, because the Wizards, one of the teams in the East that they're battling seeding with. And so we'll see what they're able to do tonight in the Spectrum Center. We can talk about more of that later on. I hope they play better defense than they did against the Phoenix Suns last night, Doug. This is this is a recurring theme. This is the descent on the roller coaster now. They won three games, started with the Denver Nuggets. They come back, and defensively, they were playing better. 
But then it goes back to the Zach Lowe article that I think was released on Friday, the 10 things I like and don't like, and mentioned in that horn in that write-up, it was the Charlotte Hornets, on their transition defense specifically. And Zach Lowe said they could save about three, four points a game if they just had any effort getting back on defense. And I tweeted this out. That doesn't necessarily necessarily require a defensive center to protect the rim down low. Of course, it's always going to help, right? We've talked about it at nauseum. It's a problem with this team. But I saw the same stuff last night, Doug. Like, you know, there was a play, Jalen McDaniels, let's campaign, just drive right by him because he's in an upright position, not in a defensive stance. You know, you have guys gambling for passes, and then it's five, and then it's five on four. Charlotte's going to lose that. Guys, you know, losing three-point shooters in the corner. Just even transition-wise, like I think Mikhail Bridges had a dunk in transition that could have been accounted for had guys communicated or gotten back better. It was it was poor. The first half was awful. I think all of that was a microcosm of what's happened this season, and they got destroyed because they weren't hitting shots. Uh, so I have the stats for you here. This is from cleaningtheglass.com. Uh, they take out garbage time stats, uh, but they have the Hornets ranked 27th in the NBA on points per possession, defensively in transition at 114. Uh, in terms of the frequency that they allow the transition, it's a little below average, but but right there at 17th. Uh, in the league, all transition and but the points per play mm-hmm. on that frequency is one thirty one. That's that's the uh, thing. Yeah, and it's both. It's kind of equally off turnovers and off of live rebounds. This isn't a situation because we know that the Hornets this season have been generally a really good team about protecting the basketball, and that's with with Lamelo Ball, who is very creative, and and you you know those players sometimes take risks that that end up being turnovers so that but they've been generally a team that protects the basketball and they've been equally allowing transition points uh both off steals and off live rebounds and it's it's embarrassing it's frustrating I think it speaks to the fact that this team doesn't really have solidified an identity of like how are the Hornets going to play night in and night out this isn't a a one-off kind of occurrence we've seen this the Hornets get a few wins they get some players back you know you get Miles Bridges back you don't get PJ (laughs) back but but it's been a trend like they get players back they get healthier and they get worse I know I know like you you get get who was a borderline all-star at the beginning of the season back and they'd get destroyed it happened when they got LaMelo back on top of a Terry Rozier they get destroyed after that and this was your philosophy maybe the guys that were playing so well in their absence they started to ease up a little bit and of course there's some rust from some of the guys coming back and then it just ends up to be a dumpster fire that's the worst thing to happen to this team you know I I don't know what you do though (laughs) like there's no way because you can't keep Melo and Miles at bay so when they come back and PJ enters the lineup once again it's like do we do we just leave them with the swarm to get the rust off like I don't know but it's the worst thing to happen to this team is when guys come back I don't really know the answer either. I mean, the bench you, you've got a you've got good depth on this on this Hornets roster. You've got bench players that will come in and and deliver energy for you, and got them back into this game. I mean, they got it got the deficit down to I think three uh, at one point in the second quarter before the Suns went on a what thirty five to thirteen run and and put things out of reach. And that was after the starters got back in. But the bench is playing against you know the opposing teams. 
a bench or some mix of starter and bench. It's when it's really when the starters have to face off against the best players that the opposing team has to offer that things fall apart. I've got the plus. If you want to do some plus minus porn, I've got some here. Gordon Hayward negative fourteen. Mm. Miles Bridges negative twenty six. Mm. Mason Plumley negative twenty four. Yucky. Terry Rozier negative thirty one. Don't like that. Lamelo Ball negative thirty two. Uh, Gordon Hayward has the best plus minus. That was because he was like the lone star in in that bench unit that you know pulled pulled that deficit down mm. uh, before things got out of hand but yeah I mean just across the board Cody Martin was a negative 18 and it's not really none of those are really a reflection of the individual player just how those line which lineups got blitzed and the majority of the blitzing happened when you had three or more Hornet starters on the floor. Yeah, let's talk more a little bit about that. Some of the guys that came off the bench to maybe help them. Let's also discuss, can they fix the defense? We'll get into that game against Washington tonight as well as the show goes on. But first, let's discuss Built Bar. It's the new year. That means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but maybe even tastes better than a candy bar. It's also easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy. They're so dry. Not this, Built Bar. You want to eat healthy, but it also tastes like candy because of some of the great flavors they have. Double chocolate, whether you go for the salted caramel, the limited flavors, the puffs that feel even more light, cookies and cream. It's all so very good. Go to built.com, use promo code and get 50, you know, use promo code locked on and get 15% off of your order. Again, use promo code locked 15. That's the second time that's happened with that. I'm going to fix it. Built.com, promo code locked 15. Then you can get 15% off of your order. Again, locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. We'll try to be better coming up next. Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot (laughs) wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug, what's been a funny development this season is the very, very secret weapon that the Hornets have to at least remain competitive in some games that are going to be blowouts in those stretches and or actually win. And Ish Smith is our very, very secret weapon who we don't play, who had a ton of DNP CDs, but then will come in and give this team a big-time spark. And I think that's even what happened last night where, look, not a big enough spark to even be competitive in this one, to be honest with you. 133 to 99 is the loss. It's bad. But Ish Smith, 5 of 8 hit a three-pointer, had five assists, gets in the paint, hits a Kelly Oubre who cuts baseline. Like, that's a go-to play for the Charlotte Hornets team-ish. Try to drive in the paint. Cody Martin, Kelly Oubre, maybe a McDaniels. Those guys can cut baseline, feed them, maybe a no-look pass, maybe set somebody up to have that pass to a baseline cutter, and then score a bucket, score a dunk, try to get some momentum. But obviously, Ish Smith doesn't play for other reasons that limit him, and it's why he's made a ton of appearances with different teams uh, in the NBA. But it's just funny to me, like that's something that they'll go to in a a dire situation, and it'll work. At least Ish will put up a decent stat line. Kind of happened again last night, despite what was a blowout against the Phoenix Suns team. Now, yeah, the the, the one uh, interesting thing to watch there uh, while they were getting blown out was Ishmith going up against Chris Paul and and pulling up for threes. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> like, all right, all right, Ish, go for it. Why not? <laughs> it was excellent. Um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, it was a savvy pickup uh, by the organization, and I don't know that they were thinking about this, but, you know, teams across the league are looking for guys like Ish Smith, and they're they're looking at the G League, and they're looking at all in all kinds of places behind the refrigerator to find players like Ish who can come in and help your team immediately through all of this, uh, you know, COVID-wrecking uh, teams' rosters. And so the Hornets, very fortunate that they have a player like Ish that they can call upon uh, for a spark, uh, they just needed more of a spark to play Phoenix, um, who, you know, I mean, they're a le- I think they're a legitimate finals contender, but they were missing pieces. Yeah. Um, but but they came in and, and wanted this victory, and and that's when I say frustrating. I mean, I think that's the most frustrating thing, as you would think, the Hornets, um, with an opportunity to kind of fight their way into a top six seed, uh, with getting a few home games, with getting Miles Bridges back. You would think that they would come into this thing with some sense of urgency. And on top of that, they got smacked by the Suns in Phoenix. And so you're wondering, I think, as somebody who's watching this team, like what's going to get them going consistently? And and will they find that thing in time to get into to one of those top six spots and not be forced to play in a play-in game? <laughs> because you know, I don't think that that this team has really proven to anyone that if you put them head to head with everything on the line, one game to go, that they would be the better team. Well, they can't get stops. That's the thing. It's the defensive lulls that they go through that are longer. In fact, the the, the smaller stretches are when they actually do put together some competent defense, and part of that might be just the other team missing three pointers. But when you're talking about this team you know they're going to be able to score with the best of them until they have an off-night shooting, and boom, they get destroyed, right? Because defensively, they're not going to provide much resistance. They, You really could make a case that they're the worst defensive team in the NBA right now. And if that's the case, then if the Hornets miss all of their three-pointers, they were 9 of 35 last night, so they were 26% from yep. three-point land, and they took 85 shots from the field, hit 39 of them. So take a look at what happened with Phoenix. Phoenix... They take almost 20 more shots from the field and they hit 20 more shots from the field. Like this is kind of, this is just the, hey, let's just throw up shots type of mentality, except Phoenix was getting good ones because Charlotte wasn't providing resistance. Like it's going to be tough even with you actually trying at all to play defense on that end of the floor, you know, Phoenix putting up that many shots compared to yours, right? 20 more. I mean, that's, that's going to help. That's going to help the opposing team every single time. And then when the Hornets have a bad night on top of that, that's how you get blown out by what seems like 40. And, you want, and part of that was rebounding as well. Because, I mean, the, the the Phoenix Suns in the first half had seven offensive rebounds, three of those going to Jalen Smith and two of those coming via uh, a familiar face in Bismack Biombo. That's right, who, who we need to get you know, had to, 11 yeah. points in this game and uh, rebounded well, had some block shots. Um, had some fumbled passes, like mm. it was the full Biz experience. It yeah, wasn't. Poor Ish Smith got dunked on by Biz, the revenge dunk from old Bismack <laughs> Biombo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, but, you know, was, wasn't it wasn't that game that he had? I think it was when he was playing with Toronto when he absolutely annihilated the Hornets. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't that level, mm-hmm. um, but certainly Biz always gets up to play an old team. Um, so. Yeah, but it was it was the boards, and you know that's why I would disagree slightly with I think something that you put on Twitter, which was that like a center is not going to help them. You know, defensive center is not going to help them uh, deal with some of the transition issues. Or I agree with that, but I think if you had 
a defensive center who was also competent at rebounding and and James Borrego could play like a traditional a big lineup and, and or or at least a traditional lineup with a big uh, it would it would help you in the rebounding game, and honestly help you get back into transition a little bit if you were confident that you could rebound. Yeah, and and that's um, that's true. Like I I don't, and you know there might be a little bit of a difference. Not to get into semantics, it certainly would help, but you don't need a defensive center in order to get back on transition defense. When you watch these guys, like if you just look at their inability to get back, it's it's not necessarily because. You know, because, oh, yeah, somebody taller gets the rebound. Boom, boom, boom. Just excellent offensive execution to get down the floor, just like in the snap of a finger. It's because those guys aren't getting back. And maybe if you want to make the argument that that wears on the players as time goes on, okay, but it's still pretty easy to see the lack of effort getting back and lack of defensive execution to get back in transition. The uh, I agree with you that it, that having a defensive center is not going to suddenly inspire players to get back on in transition. My argument is that having a having a presence in having any presence inside that's effective both defensively and offensively that's competent offensively it is going uh, to mean I think that you're taking less. Or you're taking more effective outside shots and maybe less of them overall because uh, it's some of those three-point misses that are leading to the the amount of transition that they're having to defend, which, as I said, was a little bit more than the rest of the NBA. It's not like they're, it's not like they're being attacked in transition the most in the NBA, but certainly they haven't done a lot of things that have limited the amount of transition that they have to defend. So th- I think... I just think when you have such a huge hole in your roster and such a clear thing that teams can attack, mm-hmm. I think it just ripples it has a ripple effect through every everything that you do offensively and defensively and and against good teams that get super exposed and against less good teams, you can kind of hide it. That's what Borrego has been doing all year, Walker. He has been hiding and and it works against the some of the middling teams and no good teams. And it doesn't work against a team in, like Phoenix that knows how to play together. Chris Paul, 16 assists. Devin Booker didn't take – I mean, he took 19 shots, but a lot of them were twos. Like, they were effective at taking some of those great players away, but those great players knew how to effectively set up other players. The Hornets were constantly scrambling, recovering, both in transition and the half court, and and Phoenix was just able to take advantage. All right, let's talk more about that, plus the game against the Washington Wizards coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked on Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. All I have to go off of is write-ups and highlights and some video tidbits on Twitter because I was not able to watch this game. Tidbits, like tidbits? That's a, well, it's a great word, tidbits. It, I mean, that's just a funny a word. word, tidbits. I want to use it every single day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Before we get into Washington, just a, a few things to clean up with Phoenix that I wanted to mention. One, you mentioned Jalen Smith. I mean, that was somebody that comes in who wasn't getting much playing time. It's the rookie they drafted out of Maryland just last year and didn't have his option picked up. Um, so th- this is somebody that it was a top 10 pick, I believe. I, I know he was a lottery pick. And it just wasn't getting any opportunity. Comes in, plays 24 minutes because no DeAndre Ayton, no JaVale McGee, who is a Hornets killer. Well, I remember him, Cleveland, first game of the of the season last year. 
Phoenix earlier this season. McGee's had a really good backup center uh, position this season, a good backup center role this year. And, And so that's why I think you see Charlotte, they try to attack in the paint. Like they get in there and it's clear of their offensive game plan. They're trying to take advantage of the other team's lack of size for for uh once and then Jalen Smith on the other end goes eight of 15 you know all of them come inside the three-point arc despite him taking a couple gets 12 rebounds gets a couple blocks and I think that's why you're also pretty frustrated it's the fact that Charlotte they tried to exploit Phoenix's lack of size not having Aiton not having McGee and then of course you just can't do it as much because here's somebody that you, you should be able to still find ways to beat though Jalen Smith right like and that's somebody that comes in and plays pretty well for the Phoenix Suns and the Hornets just couldn't do it because you know PJ Washington not playing I think he would have made a difference not in a win or loss but like that's the kind of guy that would have certainly helped against somebody like a Jalen maybe down low um and still you know Phoenix able to uh, exploit the lack of size that Charlotte has despite missing some big guys of their own well, yeah, we we we've mentioned PJ's absence, and I don't know if we've talked about it, but he right. he was in COVID protocol. It seemed like both Miles and PJ were set to clear protocols, and then Miles did clear protocols. We haven't got an exact reason why PJ didn't, but we know that the testing now is not only testing positive negative, but it's also testing like viral load. Mm-hmm. So you have to meet a certain threshold of viral load in order to get back. I, listen, it's very, <laughs> it's complicated. It, ch- it changes so much. Uh, but we know that that he thought he was going to clear and he didn't clear. And um, it's, it's unfortunate. It surprised the team. It probably changed up some of the thinking on the fly about how they were going to approach this basketball game. And to say that, <clears throat> to say that it wasn't a factor, I think, uh, would be disingenuous. Um, but, you know, they move on. And look, it, it's a weird dynamic in the NBA this year, you, you know, with the Jalen Smiths and all of these players that suddenly have a chance out of nowhere to play in the NBA. They're, they're all coming into these regular season games like they're playoff games. You know, it's a weird di- – we always know that the regular season is different for, in terms of co- competition level on, in a normal year than the playoffs. But everything's been kind of flipped on its head, I feel like, because all of these uh, role players, all of these players who are trying to make it are suddenly getting their opportunity in the NBA. And maybe the talent level has decreased, but the energy level has increased. And, and so the, the Hornets have to figure out a way to come into each of these games and, and understand uh, w- what it's going to take to win these basketball games. And, and right now they're not. They get another opportunity, though, very quickly against the Washington Wizards tonight. Yeah, uh, suffering what was another heartbreaking loss to the Chicago Bulls. And I say another heartbreaking, not necessarily that the Wizards suffered it. It's the fact that the Bulls have done this twice now. How about Chicago, because of DeMar DeRozan, hitting two buzzer beaters, one just off one foot from way deep, the other one a little bit more of a set shot that goes in against, um, I think it was the Wizards where he hit that one. Um, but in Anyways, the Wizards, they, they lose 120 to 119. Kuzma scores 29 points playing 40 minutes. Bradley Beal started to get it going a little more, not from three land, but gets to the foul line 13 times, hits 11 of those, 27 points, 17 assists for Bradley Beal. Pretty impressive stat there. And Washington, they're 18 and 18, you know, right 
there with the Charlotte Hornets in the standings of the Eastern Conference. So this is a really important game for Charlotte. These are the ones that you're going to look at at the end of the season and point to if you make the postseason or if you don't, and maybe even directly because of this Wizards team. What are you looking for tonight, Doug? How important is this one in your eyes? Uh, what can they do about Bradley Beal? Uh, can, can they do... It really, can, can they do what they did against Phoenix, which is fi- identify the two main threats? Uh, they did that in Devin Booker and Chris Paul, and they did some things to take them away. Uh, but Paul was able to open up things in the rest of the offense and find other players. Beal has that capability to, to do that as well. I mean, he's setting his own career highs and assists lately. Um, he he understands the assignment now because that that you know Washington is a team that has been devastated by the COVID protocols as well. So Kuzma's had to step up. He's a huge part of their offense. Can they limit Beal? Can they limit Kuzma? And then not get killed by Daniel Gafford, who was Gafford, who was quiet in the last contest, uh, but absolutely annihilated them inside in the first contest. I, I think uh, those are the things that I'll be watching for. And like you said, I mean, this is this is a um, uh, this is a situation where Washington, both teams are going to come in, hopefully hungry, hopefully looking to um, shed, you know, for Washington shed some of these close losses, but for Hornets shed an embarrassing loss. I want to go back to that DeRozan shot. It has nothing to do with this Hornets game. But my <laughs> goodness, the one yeah. that where he pulled up on one leg. Right. I mean, absolutely. It's, I don't know that I've seen a better, cooler game-winning shot since the one that Dame hit in the playoffs okay, uh, against, I think it was Oklahoma City. Yeah, and that um, one is after, like the ones you think of, and, and those are playoffs, right? It's Steph Curry against OKC, the, 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 the famous bang call from Mike Breen where he pulls up just inside half court. That was an amazing shot. The Dame one is an excellent addition. Those are even postseason ones. If you want to just take out the significance portion, if you want to take that out, just talk about regular season buzzer beaters. Um, DeMar DeRozan's was pretty fun, like an intentional one, right? Like Jeremy Lamb against the Raptors where that is past half court. It's just the old heave-ho. That's special in its own right. That's a different category. DeRozan intentionally taking the one-foot shot from like five feet beyond the three-point line. It was absolutely nuts. And, and, you know, it's DeMar DeRozan. It's not a, you know, DeRozan's not a sharp shooter. Yeah. He's not, you know, he's not somebody that you look to, to hit a three point shot. His numbers are crazy this year. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I do not look forward to the Hornets playing uh, the Bulls. The number uh, one DeMar, seeded the, Chicago Bulls. The number one seeded. It's impressive it's crazy. what they've done. And, 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 I, and I'll, I'll just, I'll raise my hand and say I was wrong. I mean, I, oh, I thought me that the yeah. Bulls made a bunch of moves in the offseason, and I thought it was going to be very similar to what Detroit has tried to do multiple times over the past 10 or so years, where they just try to, you know, pick a few players here and a few players here and try to throw them all together, and it never works. And um, that that is not what happened with the Bulls. They have, uh, and they've weathered COVID storms too. It's well, not yeah, as and I thought, I thought it healthy. would be like a, a Charlotte Chicago battle, right? Like I thought Chicago would probably make the postseason, but not, mm-hmm. I mean, clearly not be this good. I mean, I, I, I still, I, I mean, I'm not going to put them above even Brooklyn or above Milwaukee once we get into the playoffs. But Chicago, the fact that they're here and if they continue to play this well, they're probably going to demand your respect. I kind of want to talk about that that comparison between Chicago and what they did to what Charlotte could do. I want to maybe do that in the next episode because they go out, they pay a lot of money for DeMar. 
maybe you could argue, you know, Charlotte already did that with Gordon and it's not going nearly as well as far as Gordon not playing like DeMar, right? I kind of want to explore that a little bit. Maybe Um, tomorrow we can talk about the Washington game. We can talk about those comparisons with the number one seeded Chicago who went all in, traded picks for Vucevic, signed DeMar DeRozan, shrewd move for Lonzo Ball. Is there a blueprint to be followed with the Charlotte Hornets and what kind of comparisons can we make? We can talk about that tomorrow on the Lockdown All Hornets right. podcast. I'll say my I got to write down some thoughts because mm-hmm. I have I have I have thoughts. I, I also listened to an interview with Demar Derozan and he mentioned something about his decision making process in the offseason that I think is um, illuminating uh, worthy when it comes of the, to the challenges that Charlotte has. Yeah, I got you. All right, thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen every day. Already gave you what we're going to be talking about tomorrow, so make sure you check us out either on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Also, if you want to watch us, you can watch us on YouTube these days. Make your second listen, Locked On Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back with you tomorrow.